go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll pick up with Exodus chapter 4. Father, we thank you this evening for your Son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity we have again to close out the Lord's Day in your house. We thank you for uh, opportunities this morning to learn from your Word. Uh, we do pray, Father, we would be negligent if we don't pray for our country. And so we lift up uh, opportunities to pray, and we, uh, our prayer is, Father, that you would open doors that we may share our faith, that we may do so in the compassion of the Lord Jesus, but also do so in the fact that we are true to you and true to your word. We do pray for these tonight that have been mentioned. We ask that uh, you would restore them according to your will. We thank you for progress that's been made on uh, quite a few, but and we do continue to pray and ask that you would uh, grant that according to your will. We do think of this young man there in uh, South Carolina, uh, Carlton Payne, be with him, uh, and be with his family during this time as well. We, we pray, Father, that you would restore him completely, and again, we understand that's in accordance with your will. We thank you, Father, that uh, we have uh, tonight an opportunity to look at your word yet again. Thank you for the word that's been broken this afternoon. And, uh, open our hearts and minds and make us receptive to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so last Sunday evening we closed, uh, or, we, or we basically stopped, uh, went into verses uh, 10 through 17, but I want to close those out tonight. I had talked this morning perhaps about finishing chapter 4, which we will not because there is right smack dab in verses 18 through um, 31 is a, a very extensive and complicated phrase uh, which speaks about in verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Now this is pivotal uh, and it's found uh, quite often in the next four or five chapters. So I want to spend some time on that. We won't have the time this evening to, to, uh, uh, to exegete that. But let's pick up this evening with verse 10, read through verse 17. We'll close this out. Then Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before me nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. But he said, O oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be, for him, uh, be to him as God. You shall take the, this rod in your hand which you will, uh, with which you shall do the signs. So Moses returned. He's released by his father-in-law. He starts to make plans to return to Egypt. So there's, uh, we talked a bit about uh, uh, the verse there in uh, 
uh, or, the, or the phrase in verse 11 about uh, God makes the mute, the deaf, the blind, and we mentioned obviously that uh, it's interesting that the Lord himself would mention this because we tend in, in our enlightened age that we live in, we tend to think that anyone that has any malady such as this, that the Lord doesn't care for them. And that's not, a, not what the Lord, uh, what Yahweh is, is teaching Moses. And so basically this passage has to do with Moses' willingness to lead the Hebrew people. And we can see all the way back in chapter 3 that he's very reluctant to do this. Even though the Lord has called him, he is reluctant to, to be obedient and to follow him. So he offers, a, and this is the third time that he's offered a, an excuse. And so the question I left you with when we, uh, when we closed out last Sunday night was, does Moses really think that God has made a mistake here? And the question, obviously, for you and I is, is, do we think that God has made a mistake? Because we see things that occur, and they occur uh, to every family. It's not unique. No one is immune to the nature of sin and all of its ramifications in our world. No one. Saved sinner and lost sinner. We all are subject to the world as it is, the fallen world. Next slide, if you would. <laughs> so the Lord there's this conversation that goes back and forth between Yahweh and Moses and this will continue through uh, the book of Exodus it's a remarkable conversation and, and the Lord spoke to Moses even we learn later on even face to face or in a similitude of being face to face and the point is if if Moses was a poor speaker, which we went to the book of Acts and we saw in Acts chapter 7 during Stephen's uh, sermon that Moses was a man that was uh, well-read and mighty in speech, mighty in word and deed. So it may have been that the 40 years he was in the desert, he lost some of his eloquence, but uh, really in all of that, um, God's not concerned with it. He'd called him. He told him he was going to equip him, and uh, let's, you know, put a period at the end of the sentence. I've told you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. Let's move ahead. Well, in these verses that we've read tonight, Moses, again, shuns his responsibility. Uh, send somebody else. And so the Lord, the, the Scripture says that he becomes angry. And I've taught this a number of times. God's anger is not like you and I. God is not quick to become angry. God doesn't lose his temper. God doesn't need to raise his voice in any sense. I mean, his voice is as the sound of many waters, the psalmist says. So what's taking place here is that he is dealing with Moses as one that he has set aside and Moses is dealing with uh, Yahweh or talking to Yahweh as if he's going to change God's mind and from this particular conversation that goes on that's not going to take place and we talked about the Levite some last Sunday morning and here in the scripture uh, the Lord mentions to 
Moses that Aaron is a Levite. And this is, Moses was born into the tribe of Levi. We learned that from Exodus chapter 2. These are important things because a lot of what we're going to see from uh, the from where we are now in Exodus through the end of the book will revolve around the Levites. And remember, the Levites have no inheritance. All the other tribes were given land. They were given the benefit of uh, being able to, to farm or to, to raise crops or whatever. Uh, or to become craftsmen and so forth. Not so much the Levites. No, there were craftsmen in the Levites. We'll learn about that as we, as we journey through this book. But they have no inheritance other than the Lord. So what we he, w- this conversation that's taking place here between the Lord and Moses and then eventually with the Lord and Moses and Aaron is to a group of people, a fairly large group of people, that have no, uh, no financial benefit, if you please as they journey through uh, into the promised land. Moses, his, uh, his excuses demonstrate the state of his heart. Um, and so the Lord does say, I'm going to send Aaron, and Aaron is on his way to meet you. In fact, we find out that toward the end of chapter 3. Um, and again, this comes down to willingness. Moses was unwilling to do what God had called him to do. And that's one of the reasons that God became angry with him. It's never a good thing when God's anger is kindled. And again, God can be angry and never sin. You try doing that. I try doing that. That's a hard thing. So God is angry with him because of his constant rebuttal, his rebellion. We see here in this particular time in Moses' life, rebellion. Uh, Benjamin Franklin said it's common for men to give pretended reasons instead of one real one. So he's, he's offering these, not, no reasons, but just excuses for not being able to lead the Hebrew people. Next slide, if you would, brother. So, the interesting thing is God was not angry when Moses asked, who am I? And that goes back to chapter 3 and verse 11. Who am I that's going to lead this people? And he was not angry when Moses asked, and who should I say was that sent me? And two verses later, in verse 13, uh, he was not angry when Moses uh, disbelieved God's word. That's what this is. Uh, we tend to think, well, there's this conversation going on. No, the Lord had spoken, and it was up to him to, to grasp what the Lord had, uh, had, had, had told him. I was reading this morning in, in preparation for the message about Peter and how often Peter would contradict the Lord. This is not so, Lord. Uh, may it never be this way, Lord. And the Lord constantly had to say, hey, slow down, Peter. Slow down. Uh, in fact, I read in the prophecy about, uh, in fact, it's found in Luke 22, where we read this morning about uh, the Lord's Supper and the verses that are following. The prophecy is made, the Lord makes a prophecy. Peter, you're going to 
to deny me before the night is over, before the dawn occurs. You're going to deny me three times. May it never be, Lord. This is not going to happen. And the Lord said, yeah, this is going to happen. Not only that, but the Lord also told him, Jesus told him and said, but when you return to me, so you're going to do this, and yes, I'm going to be sorely disappointed in you, but you are going to return. So all of these things that we see in the dialogue between Jesus and Peter is taking place here. Uh, we tend to forget that the Lord knows the entire, the entire panorama, not just what's happening in this slice of time. So God was not even angry when Moses lied, and that's basically what he did, that he was not and had never been eloquent. Again, Acts 7 uh, defeats that. But God was angry when Moses was just unwilling. And he is angry with us when we are just unwilling. For whatever reason. So, now, he could have continued to offer excuses, but because of his anger... And I think Moses knew this. Obviously, Moses knew this because he doesn't say anything anymore after this. The conversation continues with what uh, Yahweh had told him. And again, the basic truth is that Moses was unwilling. He was not unable. Now, he's an old, older man now. He was 80 years of age. So he could have said, well, I'm old. He said, my hearing is not what it was, or my eyesight. But we learn later on that Moses at 120 years of age was as virile as men half his age. So the Lord did give him and provide him a physical stamina that even Aaron, his brother, marveled at. So it, when, when the Lord called Moses, he equipped him in a number of ways. And he was blessed because of that. Next slide. And the Lord then says, I know your brother. He's Aaron the Levite. He has the capability of speaking well. And what we see here, and I think I mentioned this last Sunday night as well, that Aaron becomes the spokesman, or the primary spokesman. Now Moses still continues to speak, but he's the primary spokesman. But what happens is... God supplies Aaron, who becomes a great thorn in Moses' side. Moses doesn't understand it now, but obviously the Lord does. And Aaron was a huge source of problem for Moses. Not only that, but he was a huge source of problem for the Hebrew people. He instigated the worship of the golden calf. And we'll find that as we journey through the book of Exodus. He made the calf himself. And he built the altar for the worship of the calf. Turn to chapter 32, Exodus 32. Not only did he do that, but he lied about it. Not doing it. 
So Aaron is not the, again, we come back to the Levites being thieves and liars, and we see that. Verse 1, now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come and make us gods that shall go before us, for as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's come of him. He's been up there for 40 days. You know, the animals could have, could have killed him and eaten him. There could have been a landslide. There could have been an earthquake. Could have been a number of things. He's not back yet. Look at the time. Gee, look at the time. So, verse 2, and Aaron said, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron, and he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a golden calf. Aaron, this is the man that later becomes a high priest. This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, <laughs> the Lord has given Moses, making a covenant with Moses, the, the Mosaic law. And here you have Moses' right hand, his, his brother, his sibling, that this, uh, and really, this is reason for being killed. Idolatry is a reason for being killed. And the only reason Aaron wasn't killed is because of the covenant that the Lord made with Moses back in chapter 4. When Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. So this took some time. This is not something that happens in reading 30 seconds. It took some time. Planned it, probably sketched it out, took the, made a mold, poured the gold, heated the gold, poured the gold into the the mole made the, made the golden calf. He built an altar. He made a proclamation. Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. <laughs> now, that's interesting, is it not? This is certainly syncretism. And this is the way many people think today. Well, the Lord is his, uh, he's just polyamorous. He loves everyone. He, he, all religions are the same. And so we're just going to make this golden calf. And then we're going to have a feast to the Lord. They rose early on the next day. They offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. I'm going to stop there. We're not going to read the entire chapter. We will come to it. But Aaron is not a very principled individual. Aaron's son blasphemed God with impure offerings. This was found in Leviticus 10. Two of his sons, Nadab and Abihu, which were priests, um, and at one time, Aaron openly led a mutiny against Moses. Aaron and Moses' sister. We find that in Numbers chapter 12. So Aaron became a thorn in the side of Moses. And it's only the grace of God. And Aaron basically died before Moses, but it's only the grace of God that he was permitted to, to live. So... Well, one of the things we learn, and we're not going to go that tonight for time, but we might pick it up next week, Leviticus 10. What we see here in the book of Exodus is the Lord is instructing his people how 
he wants to be worshipped. The people don't get to choose how they worship the Lord. You and I don't get to choose how we worship the Lord. There are principles contained, great principles contained here in the book of Exodus, carried through the remainder of um, the book of Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so we, if we follow these, and actually the worship of the Lord here in the Old Testament, we, there's, there's the, uh, the complexity of the offerings, but the worship of the Lord is, is fairly simple. And it's carried over into the New Testament. So what Aaron does in Exodus 32, what his sons do, Leviticus 10, we'll look at that next Sunday night, the mutiny and so forth that takes place about Aaron wanting to be the leader of, uh, uh, of the Exodus himself. All of these things indicate that Aaron, his sons, and then back to Aaron again, they are sidestepping the, the uh, delight that the Lord has given the Hebrew people in how to worship him. Well, we're going to do it our own way. And that, that's never a good thing. So Moses throughout the remainder of his life remembers now that <laughs> he's told the Lord, I can't speak well. The Lord said, don't worry about it. I'm going to give Aaron. He, he's a smooth talker. And he was. There are a lot of individuals, men and women, that are smooth talkers, but they have. They're short on content. They don't have any character. They're able perhaps to persuade us but they really don't have anything that is of substance in their life. And the Lord said, you speak to him, you're going to put the words in his mouth, you're going to lead him. And the thing is that Aaron wasn't God's spokesman. In fact, God tells Moses, you, he's, you're going to be like a God to him. So, as long as Moses was with Aaron, generally, he was fairly well behaved. But as soon as his older brother left him, Aaron went back to the same old shenanigans. So remember that. And then the Lord says, verse 17, you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. So this is the rod that... Uh, would accompany Moses. It would eventually go to Aaron as well. So this would be passed back and forth between them. It finds its place, its resting place in the Ark of the Covenant. So uh, this is uh, one of those remarkable passages of Scripture that teach us about our willingness. Now, next Sunday night we'll start to look at, at the, the close of this as um, Moses makes his way uh, to Egypt and uh, is uh, has a meeting, has a congregation with the Hebrew people, and they agree that they want him to lead them. And then chapter 5, of course, starts with the confrontation with uh, Pharaoh. Any comments or questions this evening? <coughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you this evening for your son, the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the instruction that is contained here in your word. We thank you, Father, for Moses and his willingness to write these words for us so many thousands of years ago so that we can recall them. We thank you, of course, 
for the important work, more important work of the Holy Spirit moving in his heart to record them. We pray, Father, that you forgive us of our unwillingness and forgive us and understand, Father, that you have enabled us to accomplish what you've gifted us to do within the church of the living God and to uh, a, a certain extent to the world, to the workaday world. Bless, I pray, every family, individual that is here tonight. We thank you for this day. Prepare us for, uh, with a heart of thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.